Welcome all you good movie buddies to another episode of The Popcorn Diet. Yes, as you know, it is a podcast for those of you who, very much like us, live on a steady diet of movie theater popcorn and other various movie snacks like those new gigantic Bavarian pretzels they have at AMC. And I know I did soft pretzels already, Mm. but it's a pound and a half. And it's amazing. That's a lot of pretzel. It, it is a lot of pretzel. Um, and it's delightful. And that is not paid for by AMC. That's just paid for by me and David, who enjoy delicious movie snacks. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very, very best good movie buddy. And with me, as always, is my fellow good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. David, how you doing today? Doing well. Doing well. Good. Post, uh, post 4th of July, recovering from that. Yeah, that's some yep. of us more than others. Some of us more than others. One hundred percent true. Um, but uh, yeah, me too. Me too. It's it was a good Fourth of July celebrating America, celebrating Brexit seventeen seventy six, as I like to call it, um, and uh, and watching some movies. And uh, this one, this this week or this particular episode, since we got a couple, we've been very busy. Movie watchers, I feel like we've watched like four new movies over the past like ten days. We did. We took the show on the road. We did. Saw three movies in one week. Yeah. I think. And and so we are hitting up. This is our first real big comedy episode. This is because and we had Will Ferrell release an Amy Poehler and Jason Manzukis in the house, which we really wanted to do. I mean, we we really wanted to do the house because we haven't done a comedy episode yet. No, yeah, it wasn't that we were necessarily itching really bad Jacked to go see it. the house, which, I mean, proved to be. We'll we'll get to we'll that. get to that. <laughs> yeah, um, but it did give us the opportunity to kind of break down comedies, more specifically Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell, since our high school days, has been pretty much the lead like comedic. Yeah, I talent. Think, right? I mean, I think looking back. Actors in our generation, I guess, or since we really started getting into comedies and specifically the more adult type comedies, PG-13 mm-hmm. rated R movies. I think you've had like Will Ferrell. Um, you could probably say maybe the Wilson brothers, Vince Vaughn. Um, sure. But Will Ferrell was the only one I think out of sort of some of those people. You have Ben Stiller and Jack Black and right. some of those other guys too. But Will Ferrell, I think, is about the only one that has just done comedies uh, uh yeah i, I mean, mean he's, he's got a couple he's dabbled dabbled um, but not since like literally when right when we were in when we were wrapping up high school right when we were in the middle of high school he blew up with old school and he did elf that same year which a lot of people mm-hmm. i think i didn't know i forgot that elf was that old um we're old rick <laughs> We're we getting are. there, at least. We are old, yes. Um, yeah, well, I mean, if we go I back know, to... I am feeling we, how old we are. If we go back to the start, I mean, really, Will Ferrell is probably the most successful or of the recent, relatively recent SNL, what, if you want to say graduates from For that sure. standpoint. He was the um, last... And I'm probably wrong here just because I don't have, obviously, you know, I don't have the entire cast of SNL in front of me. But as far as I can remember, he was the last big, like, alpha male. Yes. Like, because there was always an alpha There's always a leader. There's always, like, Kristen Wiig. He was the last big alpha male. And then Kristen Wiig came out. And now Kate McKinnon's pretty much the alpha on the show. He was the last that I can remember alpha male. Yeah. I mean, because I, I don't think you would count like an Andy Samberg. I no. mean, he's probably the biggest name since Will Ferrell from the guy's side sure. to really come out. Sure. Um, as far as getting opportunities, as far as leads and things like that. Most of the people that have been produced actually in recent history seem like it's been more on the, the female side. Absolutely. Um, which another one of them is in this movie itself, Amy Poehler. That's a very good point. Yeah, so. Amy Poehler, who I love. Uh you know, she's Parks and Rec's like literally my favorite comedy I think ever. And so I, I mean, even though we talked about like, eh, I wasn't that excited about the house. Like I was reasonably excited mm-hmm. uh, because it's got a crazy cast. Um, but yeah, focusing on Will Ferrell, I mean, there were a lot like his. Uh, it was I'm trying to remember all the alpha males. You know, you had your Adam Sandler's, you had your David Spade, uh, Chris Farley's. You had your man. Even if you go back to like 
your you Belushi's, Ackroyd's, Jim Carrey. Sure, Jim. Ca- well, Jim Carrey was more. Uh, he was more. Uh, he was in Living Color. Yeah, Living Color. Um, yep. but yeah, he was. He was the top dog on the block for the longest time, and uh, and then he just started branching out. He started doing those bit parts. Well, and I think from that group that was popular then, you had like, uh, oh, what's his name that did Ladies' Man? Um, Tim Meadows. Tim Meadows. Tim Meadows was always a bit player, though. But but I'm just thinking so of the Chris guys Kattan that were on that cast, Chris Kattan, some of those guys that were on that cast. He was really the only one that sort of made that jump. And like you said, he was kind of that for sure. the alpha male of for sure. that group. Um, and funny enough, I mean, true enough, kind of like with most of the uh, Saturday Night Live characters or actors and actresses, their, his first real movie came with a SNL skit Other, movie, basically, yeah. Night at the Roxbury. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where we really first got will ferrell as a lead absolutely now we got just before that you got him playing which i always enjoy and we'll talk about this a little bit more but you got him playing kind of a bit part in mustafa in the first austin powers which came out a year before which was mike myers being an snl guy like that was back when and it doesn't i mean i guess it's still happening but but that was when SNL people put each other in their movies and sometimes yeah. they caught on and sometimes they didn't because Awesome Powers wasn't a big movie when it came out. Yeah. It made like $9 million. It got popular on own video. And then he showed up for the second one. Yeah, he showed up for the second one. He was in Ladies Man. Uh, even Zoolander. I know Mugatu wasn't technically a SNL character, but what? it was right. loosely based on I feel like he had a character in SNL. Especially if you go back and watch that best. It of, was uh, his, yeah, Jim, him and Jimmy guy. Fallon yeah. working at the fashion store. Yeah, when he's on the little motorized uh-huh, cart. Uh-huh, and, and he pulls the out the little phone. Tiny cell phone. Yep, yep, they, yep. Even, they even pull that gag in, in Zoolander, in, too. In, in Zoolander, yep. Um, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, but, uh, he, I mean, he didn't get to be the lead until... Elf, really? I until mean, 2000, yeah, until Elf, because he wasn't the lead in old school. No, I mean, he was arguably... It was the a best three-hander. character right. in old school, but that was more Vince Vaughn, Luke Wilson. Right. It was a three-hander. Luke Wilson was the main character. He was the lead character. And yep. Vince Vaughn was the main buddy character, and Will Ferrell was the <laughs> the agent of chaos, yes. if you will, um, which really, I think, really solidified him as being that guy who can play like the most white bread. <laughs> suburbanite dude with a dark side like that's every fucking role he plays now it's true it feels like it it, it feels does. like it. it does but then you also had him right after that same year like you mentioned get elf which was the lead character which was but it big was lead character over the top you mm-hmm. know obviously character christmas mm-hmm. movie from that standpoint. christmas movie i feel has helped i mean obviously there's a there's a wealth of Christmas movies out there, and this is going to turn into a Christmas movie podcast, but when and if we do our Christmas movie episode, you bet your ass, Elf is going to be up there because For sure. it it managed to make a family-friendly Christmas movie with a memorable character, and I think the fact that it is a Christmas movie has really helped it. That surprisingly, given that it's Will Ferrell, not that Will Ferrell's some big raunchy comedy actor, no. like was 100% wholesome. Like I can't think... Of an inappropriate thing in that movie, really. right? Right. Um, so, but you know, the majority of people that really love it are older, yeah. <laughs> an older audience for the most. Well, part. we're growing, yeah, and we're growing older too. It's true. That know? was two thousand three. That was fourteen years ago. We were in Jesus. We were in high school still. When oh Elf my came god. Out. Um, but that then brutal. <laughs> he was on quite a hot streak there, though, because you had old school, then Elf, then. Follows it up in 2004 with Anchorman. Blue, yeah. Which and, and I think is when we started seeing like peak Will peak Ferrell. Peak Will Ferrell, which is weird considering that that was 13 years ago. Like yeah. peak Will Ferrell was old school elf, Anchorman, and then he cranked out. He was in Wedding Crashers cameo, and then he did The Producers a year later. That didn't make any money, which made a lot less money than I thought it did. Yeah, and then and he, he did, did Bewitched. Bewitched same year, 
which Annie did kicking and screaming. He was busy. He had winter passing, which I don't even know what that is. Uh, Wendell Baker's story. He did how many movies is that in two thousand five? Two thousand five. He had six six movies come out. Yeah, I think I think some in, bigger than some smaller. Yeah, I think in total over the last twenty years he's done something like thirty two movies. Um, so it's been a pretty busy last twenty years. But I think peak Will Ferrell was kind of from that two thousand three till like two thousand nine two thousand ten, and then. Things really started to taper off. I would even I would even say earlier. I would say because I know you have feelings on the other guys, and the other guys did very well. I'm not a gigantic fan of it. Sure. As as previously discussed, I probably need to revisit it because there's some great YouTube moments. There is some wonderful YouTube moments. Another example of Will Ferrell playing a regular suburbanite white guy with a dark side. Yep. Um, but I would say 2008 Step Brothers was probably his last his last real big. Yeah movie um and then he did anchorman 2 obviously and he's going and he went back to the well and more modern you know getting more in today's uh timeline daddy's home proved to be extremely successful for a movie that was released at the same time as star wars the force awakens that was some actually i mean in hindsight you could say that that was a really ballsy decision but the counter programming work cuz that movie made like 130 million dollars 150 150 when it was going up against the biggest movie in the last decade well biggest movie in the last decade but also that's peak like oscar movie time so like that's true you're dealing with like christmas movies you're dealing with like Oscar chasing movies and you're dealing with Star Wars. Right. So Right. And so from, now obviously we got the house that came out, but his he's got Daddy's home too. He's going back to the well there. Mm-hmm. And then his next one, I think next year, is uh he's doing Sherlock Holmes and Watson with John C. Riley. <laughs> Which what? <laughs> okay. I'm in. I, I'm interested in that, sort of, I think. Which is kind of going back to the well again, because John, John C. Riley, it's, you had Talladega Nights, then Step Brothers. Some of his best movies were with John C. Riley. Funny enough, he didn't, he wasn't in, uh, what was the John C. Riley that was the spoof on? Uh, Walk Hard? Walk Hard. No, he wasn't in Walk Hard, although that seems like it would be like a perfect opportunity for him for, to be for a, a cameo especially because yeah. like tim meadows is in that now yeah. but yeah yeah it was so here's was my qu- here's my question for you then okay is do you think will ferrell is better as a supporting actor a la everything from small to big supporting like right everything from you know super minor to mustafa and Chaz and and uh-huh, who got uh-huh. to up to old school where really he's you know one of the main characters, one but of. he's the movie isn't centered around him from that standpoint. Right? Um, do you feel? I mean, because for me, I think as I think of it, probably my most memorable ones for him is not where like the entire movie is centered around him from that standpoint. Yeah, I mean, it feels like unless his characters, unless the main characters that he plays are huge. Mm-hmm. big dramatic caricatures of of a person. So Elf, great example. Anchorman, Ron Burgundy, great example. Step Brothers, great example. Um unless oh, unless he's doing a big character like that, I feel like he's better supporting because supporting you can be you can be small, you can be you you burn bright. You burn bright and you burn fast. Right. Yeah. So whether it be supporting or whether it be a cameo, but I mean, just looking at it, like he hasn't done a lot of supporting roles for a long time. No, he hasn't. I mean, ever since, you know, he's been more, he's slowed down his pace a little bit, I feel like. A little. And gone more to, you know, leads roles. Like, you know, I look at like Get Hard, which I wasn't a huge fan of. I didn't even see Get Hard. That's saying something. I know. Um, but to me, it kind of went back to that well of like goofy white, right? Suburban. <laughs> but he didn't even have a dark guy. side. He was just a goofy white suburban guy. They're like, let's let's take Will Ferrell and let's have him play a goofy white suburbanite, and then let's send him to prison. Well, he was a rich guy in that movie, um, and then oh, he's gonna team up with Kevin Hart. 
Which Kevin Hart's the draw of that movie to me. Yeah. Oddly enough. Which back in in old school, if we go back to old school, comparing something like because he's a similar character. Obviously, he's rich in, in Get Hard. Uh, right. Whereas he's not in old school. It's but it's somewhat similar type of person, I should say. Yeah. Um obviously their characters are very different, but similar type of role that we're going for. But the difference was like you were saying is we're old school, he's just supporting, and you can have him be a little bit more of a vanilla character that shines bright in moments right. versus like the whole story being about this somewhat vanilla character. Well, think of if he was like, think about all the weird shit Frank the Tank does in that movie. Yeah. He gets shot with the Trank dart, he gets sunburned, he gets, or he doesn't get sunburned, he gets caught on fire, um, and he gives the speech. If that was the main character, if the if that movie was a hundred minutes of that, I mean he's like the, and and granted he was before, so it's it's more the opposite of what I'm about to say, but it's almost like Zach Galifianakis and and Hangover, like right, he's not asked to be the entire movie, but right, he's one of the he's probably the most memorable person from the right. movie, just then, like old school. He's probably the most memorable character from the movie. Right. But he's not asked to be the entire movie. And then Zach Galifianakis makes two or three movies where he's the lead and everyone kind of realizes, like, do we really like a whole movie with Zach Galifianakis as the lead? And funny enough, they came together in the campaign. Which is one of my least favorite comedies. It's awful. It is mean. It's terrible. The, the campaign is legitimately... <laughs> dark and a mean mean <laughs> comedy like to the point of where like like they're banging each other's wives they're putting shit on the internet a baby gets punched which like saying it out loud doesn't sound so bad <laughs> that movie's fucking dark it is. in a crazy way you keep waiting for kind of the relief in that movie but it doesn't really it never come. comes like, you have to have kind of a sixth sense of humor <laughs> to think that movie's really funny you know and most of his and and you know we were looking at his box office earlier you know he doesn't have i mean like you said what he made 32 movies 36 movies something like that 32 32 movies in a 17 17 year span 97 was night at the roxbury or 97 was when he cameoed in austin powers and austin powers so since his first actual role it's been 20 years 20 years we'll say and he's only made 32 movies. So number one, I mean, I guess that's a lot. And and that includes, like we said, through – because look, 2004 and 2005, he made 11 he movies. He made 11 movies. He didn't make any movies in, in – he made like one movie in 2002. Yeah, which was Boat Trip. <laughs> Jesus. So number one, his filmography isn't nearly as big as you think it is. Yeah. I, I, I initially thought like, oh, yeah, Will Ferrell's done like 50 movies. No. He's done like a little more than half that. And then I also thought, oh, Will Ferrell's a huge box office superstar. Not so really. Much. No. Not really. I, oddly enough, his biggest successes are his animated films, obviously. I feel like that's like a, a f- those an, animated. An, animated and, I mean, Elf isn't animated, but it's. It's, it's a family it's film. It's a family they're four, film. They're four yeah. quadrant movies. They yes. hit everybody. They yes. hit kids. They hit teens. They hit adults. They hit old people. Yeah. So those movies are obviously going to be more successful, you know, just, just by the nature of what kind yeah, of movies they are. appeal. A wider appeal. But, like, he's never reached the box office, like, heights of the big comedies, you know, yeah. when – and I'm trying to think, and I, I don't even know if I can pull any off the top of my head – but, you know, there have been, in the past few years, there has been some really high-grossing comedies that he really hasn't been a part of. Um, well, I think of even, um, we go to last year, Bad Moms made $113 million. Right. Well, Farrell's only had a couple movies that went above that. Like Anchorman, which we all think of as, you know, that iconic right. comedy only made a little bit over that. But I think. he's he's never made well the first Anchorman made very little money. No, Anchorman 2 made like 121. Yeah, Anchorman 2 made made pretty good am- amount of money. But like you look at the list of highest grossing comedies and he's never reached like Jim Carrey heights. He's never even reached Austin Powers heights. He's never even reached Adam Sandler heights. It's a great point. 
And yeah. and that's really interesting because he is one of I would think just in terms of what's the word perception. He's a huge comedy star. Yeah. So going and de- doing a little bit of a deep dive into his filmography and into his box office, um, I thought was really interesting because it turned out that maybe he wasn't as big of a box office draw as I initially thought. Yeah. So that that brings us into let's. Let's do our top 10. So we've been yes. throwing out all these movies. So we like to do our top 10s each week. So uh, I'll let you go first. Uh, let me know. What are your top 10 Will Ferrell movies? So the top 10 Will Ferrell movies, and we threw this out to the uh, to the online community as well. And we got a pretty good amount of feedback. But oddly enough, I think their feedback also kind of echoes this conversation. and sort of echoes my list. Because even though we said, and even you just said, like top 10 Will Ferrell movies... I think more people often than not think of their top 10 Will Ferrell roles. Mm-hmm. And so we I mean and we'll we'll get into their feedback a little bit later, but I'll start I'll start I I got some weird ones, okay? <laughs> um and I'm going to tell you right now, I as we were literally talking, I adjusted my list and I took off the other guys, which I know is That's all right. Is it's crazy. It's not mine. It's it's my list. Um and I'm actually going to keep it to 10, even though I just said the other guys. So technically it's already 11. So I <laughs> fucked it up. Um, but number 10, and again, we're only pulling from like 36. So out of those 36, how many really truly memorable movies does he have? Maybe 20? Maybe. So basically it's between the ones that really hit and the ones that really missed. My number 10 was Land of the Lost. Um and it's again when I say Land of the Lost, I know you were like really, and a lot of people listening to this are gonna be like, really, Land of the Lost number ten. Yeah, it's a weird movie, and I appreciated it. <laughs> and it's got a good supporting cast. Danny McBride is great in it. Jorma Tacone, who plays uh, uh, the monkey guy, uh, Chaka, is amazing in it. Um, and it's just a really weird movie, so I put it on there. Number nine is his original, and it's probably got this is a nostalgia factor for me. Because I watched this when I was a kid, but it's Night at the Roxbury. <laughs> um, that damn song, that What is Love song, is still on my Spotify. Um, and there are some really good gags in that movie. It, it is pretty much an SNL sketch. Like, they really don't try to flush it out that much, but it's still funny. Um, and they had, uh, and there's some good bits of it. Number eight. Uh, and I actually think this is a little low on the list, but but whatever. It's uh, Talladega Nights, the Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Again, the I think the funniest stuff comes from his supporting cast. He's got some good bits in it. Sure. But it's his relationship with uh, with uh, the French guy whose name I'm, I'm blanking on. I can't believe I can't remember. Sound like you got peanut butter on the roof of your mouth. Uh, the whole crepes thing, or or his relation—I can't believe I'm not. Help me out here. Who? who I'm. Get, I, I got you. I'm drowning here. Who the hell is that? I and I can't believe I'm absolutely blanking. Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah. Jesus, that's a rough one. Um, but you know, some really good bits in that. So I put Ricky Bobby in there. Number seven, and this goes to. This is not a Will Ferrell movie. But it is one of my favorite roles of his, and it's Wedding Crashers. Mm-hmm. The only reason, if this was just the best movies Will Ferrell has been in, this movie's probably at the top. Well, I feel like what's one of the most quotable, one of the lines you hear the most from people? Mom, the meatloaf. Exactly. <laughs> I scream that all the time. You, you and I scream that at each other all the time. <laughs> He's in that movie for very, very little. But as we talked about before, he burns bright. Uh, and that is, I think, on on this list of, I mean, that is one of my favorite comedies of all time, too. Oh, it's up there for sure. Uh, so as far as a Will Ferrell movie, it's number seven. As far as a movie that Will Ferrell has been in, that's like a top three. For sure. Number six is the original Zoolander um, because Mugatu is, an, is a great character. It's a huge, big character. Uh, really, really funny. The hairstyle, everything like that. Even when they, the sequel didn't make any money, but even like the best part of the trailers were when Gatu showed up to. again. Um, number five, the Lego movie, which is one of those movies that has no reason being as good as it is <laughs> and ends up telling actually a really sweet story about creation and kind of nostalgia, kind of holding on to what 
what we want and, and what we love at the risk of not being able to share it or let other people create with it. But not only does he play president business or, uh, yeah, president business, um, but he also shows up live action as well as the dad. Yep. Um, and that's just, you know, he's he's not exactly the most memorable part of that movie, but it's a great movie and, and he's a big part of it. Uh, number four, and I feel like these four, like in whatever order, pretty much are everybody's top four Will Ferrell movies. But number four is Step Brothers. Fucking hilarious. <laughs> Him and John C. Riley are an amazing comedic duo. And that's why I'm into them being Sherlock and Watson. Like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll let that ride out. Let's see what that's like. Um, and then, so number four, Step Brothers do T-Bag my, my Drum Set. So much room for activities. <laughs> You know, some of this this house is a prison built on planet bullshit. Like I'm burying you, <laughs> Brandon. What are you doing, Brandon? I'm alive. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. Um, number three, which really was his coming out. I think it was old school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, we talked about how he's. It's a three hander. It's three leads, and he's that one. And it's just like it's his character is Zach Galifianakis in. The Hangover, that is a typical comedy trope. It's you have the straight man, you have the wild card, and then you have the agent of chaos. Mm -hmm. And they did it in The Hangover, and they'll keep doing it where they just keep repeating that. And we have a cast of characters, but goddamn, is he such a good agent of chaos. Yes. Once he, especially where he starts out square. Like, he starts out like the least harmful of any of them. And then he just goes down a path. Yep. And Frank the Tank comes back. Frank the Tank. Um, and that is what is unique about that, the way that he doesn't start off as the psycho. He evolves into the psycho. He has that switch flipped. <laughs> Number two is Elf. We already talked about Elf in pretty great detail, but it's such a good character, and he gives it everything. And it is – you don't really get – it's easier to make classic Christmas movies than it is to just make regular classic movies. Sure. I think. Because it's such a niched Well you get area. You get you get a little bit of leeway, I think, right away being a Christmas movie. Right. Because everybody has nostalgia for Christmas or most people most have people. N- nostalgia for Christmas. Whatever Not you everybody. believe in. <laughs> um but yeah, there's a certain level of nostalgia there. But him and and director John Favreau and they crushed it with mm-hmm. that movie. Um, even even now is still very quotable, is still very relatable, but also is a great Christmas movie. You know what I love about it too, and, <clears throat> and this won't get us too far off tangent, is they haven't made a sequel of it. They right. Just let it be. Right. Let it be perfect the yeah. way it was, and not try to make another hundred and fifty million. It's one of off his of most it. successful movies, and they just you know we're just gonna leave it. And although some- it took like. 12, 15 years before they made Anchorman 2, I feel like. You never so, know. Who knows? If he keeps declining, they might need to go back to the well. Yep. We'll see. Tim Allen said it made too many Santa Claus movies, which I don't <laughs> care who you are. That first Santa Claus movie is good. It is. And then they made Santa Claus 3. But we'll save that Jesus for Christ. Our, uh, Christmas Christmas. That's our Christmas episode. That's our Christmas one. And then number one, and this is sort of a, a slash, I guess, because it's not so much the movie Anchorman. But it's Ron Burgundy. It's mm-hmm. kind of both. It's kind of everything that Ron Burgundy was a part of. When he showed up on ESPN to do promos and when he – I mean, obviously the first movie's great. The second movie's not quite as great. But the second movie, I think, had that moment that made me laugh harder in a theater than I think I maybe have ever laughed. <laughs> and it's when um, they make fun of his hair and he gets Jean-Claude Van Damme in Bloodsport in his <laughs> eyes. I laugh so fucking hard, and I, I still—it's just thinking about it—is still really funny. Um, and and oftentimes, comedy sequels are not as good as the originals. Very, very rarely is that the case. Anchorman Two's the same. It's not as good as the first one because you lose a little bit of that. What's the word? That that convenience, you know, the the introduction to the characters and all that. But Ron Burgundy is a character. Is an old timer. Oh yeah, he's he's fantastic, and the supporting cast is absolutely insane. Oh, it's amazing. Um, and so that's my number one. My number one. I'm just gonna say Anchorman. All right. So that's my top ten, eleven if you count the other guys. Well, and for mine, we won't. Uh, mine won't take as long one because I'm not Ricky. Whatever. My that was like the shortest top ten I've done so it far. It is pretty good for you. Thank you. Um, but also because we're dealing with you know 32 total movies, you kind of have. 
we're going to be pretty similar because I feel like he's probably got 12 that could possibly be listed in this and the other 20 just no one would have in their top right. 10. Well, I, if you have Megamind on your list, I'm going to – the podcast is over. <laughs> I will be fucking shocked. I can see someone – I mean, you know, I maybe there's someone out there that really loved kicking and screaming. There's some <laughs> some funny parts in that maybe or, you know, maybe someone – you know, wants to throw in Austin Powers, but, you know, he's just... Kicking and Screaming has one good part, and you know what it is. I do. It's go get me my juice box. That's the best part of that movie. I'm not a juice box boy. It's the best part. That's the only thing I remember from that movie. But regardless, you know, part of the whole reason we're doing this podcast is because you're not wrong. As much as we give our top tens... And as much as we give each other shit for the movies we like or don't like, and, and the same thing, you know, I do it all the time. I give people so much shit and grief for it. The beautiful part about it is that you're not wrong. It's no true. matter what. No it's matter your if top I, ten. If I disagree. We're not saying the top ten. We're saying it's your ours. top ten. Correct. Yep, it's exactly. yours. So with that being said, let's hear yours. And and I went back and forth kind of on the bottom six, kind of like you said. I think sure. the top four for me were pretty pretty set. Um Obviously, we we differ a little bit on a couple. Um, number ten for me is actually going to be semi pro, Jackie Moon. Okay, I think it comes back to character. Um, that was another one of those movies that the first time I saw it, I really didn't enjoy it tons. Like I feel like with a lot of Will Ferrell movies, because I've said this multiple times. Right. First time I saw Anchorman. First time I saw Zoolander. Um, First time I probably even the first time I saw old school, like I enjoyed it, but when I went back and rewatched it multiple times, that's when I felt like I really enjoyed you it. Got or, it. Well, and you like pick up quotes because the first time you see it, you're not gonna mem, you don't sure. really memorize quotes, and you and I quote things all the time, <laughs> and so like even Jackie Moon, like I think of like some of the things in there, like all the gags he does to try to make the team popular, like when he wrestles a bear and uh -huh. things like that. Uh -huh. There's some funny things in there. And you got a, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, from Conan. Uh, oh, Andy Richter. Andy Richter yeah, yeah, yeah. in there, who's, who's fun as a sort of side guy with him in there. But that's number 10 for me. Again, 10, 10 was difficult because it was kind of like bottom of the barrel a little bit for me. Um, and it was definitely above, uh, what's the ice skating movie? Blades of Glory. Blades of Glory. Right. So, which is the second time he played a character named Chaz. Chaz. It's a good, it's, it's, it's a great, it's a great dude. Or did he? Was it Chaz yeah. or was it Chad? I think it was Chaz. Or it was Chaz. Chaz. Yeah, yeah. Chaz, Chaz. Chaz Michaels or Chaz something. Chaz Michael Michaels. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so number 10 was semi-pro. Uh, number nine for me was Lego Movie. It's definitely higher up the list as far as like actual movie. But like you said, he doesn't really necessarily make or break that movie. Right. Um, but that was number nine for me. Uh, number eight for me is Talladega Nights. Um, okay. Ricky Bobby. Uh, number seven for me was Wedding Crashers. Again, oh, so our seven and eight were the same. Our seven and eight were the same. Interesting. So, uh, again, it would the movie itself, just like you said, way higher up for me. Sure. Um, as far as comedy. That's an all-timer for you and me. Absolutely. <laughs> um, number six was Zoolander. Shit. Okay. We were, we were we were pretty close Six, on seven, these. Well, again, he's only got thirty five yeah, movies. You're, you're gonna have some overlap. For exactly. Sure. Uh, number five for me was the other guys. So that for me, I love that movie. Maybe it's because I love the opening part with uh, Samuel L. And, yeah. and the Rock. Uh, I feel like I'm the weirdo for not liking that movie, and I, I fully feel like, acknowledge. I feel it. like you need to go back and rewatch it. It's got some. Even even the things down to uh, when he transforms into his In, his dark past into of, Gator of Gator yeah uh, I love that movie. There's so many things that I quote all the time. It's to true you in that movie. It's true. So, there are I uh, do I need to revisit it. Plus, if, I think I I probably enjoy Mark Wahlberg playing I guess kind of the straight guy mm -hmm. next to to Will Ferrell because mm -hmm. he's a little bit different than your normal straight guy. It's from that he's standpoint, angrier, angrier. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I'm working with the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Uh, so I, I love that movie and that's, that's one of those movies that I actually didn't even see it in theaters. Uh, yeah, me neither. Well, yeah, first time I watched it was on, I probably on TV even, right? which means it had been out for a while. So, uh, after that, 
would be for me uh, is old school. Okay, is this your top four now? Top four. Okay, old so. school's number four for gotcha. me. Uh, Frank the Tank. Um, we've talked about that one lots, but number yeah. four for me. Uh, number three is Step Brothers. Um, I think it used to be flipped. It used to be old school. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because they were always showing reruns of Step Brothers uh, on TV. Keeps it fresh. That it keeps it fresh. But that one's uh, moved up a little bit more. And maybe it's because if we're talking about Will Ferrell movies, and he's even more at the forefront in Step Brothers sure. through that. But uh, it's the it's the freaking Catalina. It's the ca- fucking Catalina wine mixer. You won't swear, but I'll swear. It's the fucking <laughs> Catalina wine mixer. Hell uh, yeah. Number two for me is Anchorman. So our one and two are okay. flipped. All right. Number All two right. is Anchorman. Uh, Ron Burgundy. You know, <laughs> enough said. And, and number one for me is Elf. Elf. Again, that to me is like the perfect movie. And it probably does get a little bit of a bump because it's a holiday movie. But those are my top ten. It's it's it's. I mean, it's. I mean, obviously, it's a good top ten. It's eighty percent are the same movies. Um, but but yeah, Elf is almost bulletproof. It is. Like, it's just... There's hard. There's not a whole lot you can find wrong with that. There's really not. There's really not. Um, and so, as always, you know, we always like to hear your feedback. We always want to know what your favorite movies are. We're actually trying to talk more and get your feedback more about the subject before we record. Because it was, it's been a little weird. Like, what's your favorite blockbuster movie? And then list off blockbusters when we do a comedy episode. Yeah. So we're saving those for for a little bit later for a little bit more appropriate movie. We went online and we asked you, the listeners, the followers, what your favorite Will Ferrell movies are. Um, and again, if uh, if you're out there, uh, we always recommend, we always pray, we always uh, plead for you to follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram at the Popcorn Diet, or you can always go to popcorndietpodcast.com. But we got a lot of good listener submissions and again you're not gonna get a lot of big different ones here you know we had chadwick blight throws in anchorman robert ensley threw in Step Brothers. so we had quite a few people who basically were through throwing in anchorman as well uh chris o'mealy anchorman casey starcher cap murphy uh let's see here who else did anchorman uh michelle agreca and then Step Brothers, same thing you know kelsey kovac Step Brothers. Uh, Leah Theodosis, Step Brothers. Seemed like it was pretty much down to Step Brothers or Anchorman. Step Brothers from... or Anchorman. Yep. We had a couple throw in. Uh, Lenny Newman threw in Step Brothers as well. Um, we have a couple people. Dale Whitaker threw in Talladega Nights, Shake and Bake. Uh, mm-hmm. Lisa Megan threw in Elf. Uh, Haley Mandrup actually threw kind of a wrench in it where she didn't actually pick a movie. She picked the funnier die shorts with Pearl the Landlord with his uh, daughter, okay. which was, you know, that's a unique twist on it. I'll accept it. Um, one that Leah Theodosis suggested was, again, less of a role, less of a movie and more of a role. And it is uh, it's uh, his role in Superstar with Molly Shannon, another SNL yep. Yep. alum, um, particularly when he shows up as Jesus, even though he plays a couple characters in that movie. But she, she, Leah made a point to show off the uh, the Jesus clip from Superstar. So again, a lot of really good feedback from people. A lot of really good. It seemed like the big popular ones were Anchorman, uh, were uh, Step Brothers, a little bit of Elf. Um, oh, and Cap Murphy also mentioned Stranger Than Fiction, which was one of his few forays into making like a serious film. Um, so wanted to bring that up as well, but a lot of really good feedback. And again, always look, we're always looking for feedback. We always want to know what your favorite movies are again, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at, yeah, at the popcorn diet. Got a little bit of a brain fart there, (laughs) but now that brings us to, I believe the main guts, the main event, the main event, which is the whole reason we're here, which is the house. The house. And we're going to do I, – I don't know that that many people care about the house in regards to spoilers. <laughs> but we're going to do a non-spoiler talk about the house. Um, so basically, I'll just do the little – for those of you who don't know, the house is about a married couple whose daughter gets accepted to college. And they think that they have money for it or, or have a, uh, a scholarship. And then that turns out not to be the case. So they team up with their crazy friend, Frank. To run a casino out of his house and hijinks ensue. Um, and it's okay. 
it's okay. It's okay. It's uh, in my opinion, um, Will Ferrell is the weak link of this movie. If we're talking Will Ferrell all all week, and I and I hate to like gang up on him like that, but this is our Will Ferrell episode. He's just, I mean, he doesn't do anything that you haven't seen before. He's mm-hmm. that white suburbanite character who goes a little dark, except his dark character is nothing new. It's when he turns into the butcher, the the the, the guy who's strong-arming people and, and getting them to pay their debts back. You know, it's funny, like it's amusing, but it's we've seen him do it better. Sure. Um, in my opinion... This film really wastes a killer cast, and I think that's its biggest sin. Like, its biggest sin is that this is a movie that has an absolute murderer's row of a cast. I mean, it has—God, it's got so many people in it. Jason Manzoukas and Nick Kroll are the best parts of this movie. Mm -hmm. And then you have fucking Jeremy Renner shows up, which, whatever, it's maybe a spoiler, but— He's on the Wikipedia page, so I don't care. How hard is it to say spoiler? I, I don't, sorry, it's it's it, it's apparently really You're hard. Nice, Frank. But Rob Hubel, like if you know comedy and you listen to, you know, if, if you know, especially comedy podcasts or stand up comedy, like you know, like Michaela Watkins is in it. Cedric Yarbrough from Reno Nine One One is in it. Rob Hubel, a really really good cast. Allison Tolman, who was in the first season of Fargo, who was amazing in that is absolutely given shit to do in this movie. She just is there. She doesn't have anything interesting to do at all. Um, and and Amy Poehler, who I haven't even mentioned yet. Amy Poehler is, is better than Will Ferrell, only because we really haven't seen the... She hasn't beat this character to, dead To yet. fucking death <laughs> yet. Right, exactly. Um, and she's basically playing the same person, the white suburbanite who goes a little dark, except I just think she was funnier. Like when she started getting high and stuff, like I, that's funny to me. Yeah, we, we, I mean, we haven't seen it as much, like you said. Right, exactly. But uh, personally speaking, the best two, the best two people out of this movie are Nick Kroll and Jason Manzoukas. Nick Kroll is on a and is on a on a on a roll right now. I think, I think he was the best part of Sausage Party when that came out because and he played the douche, and. For those of you who don't like that movie, y'all need to watch that shit again because that movie is genius. And he's the best part of that movie. And he's the best part of this movie. And again, he's not doing anything different. He's playing the slimy city councilman. Mm-hmm. He's played a version of this weasel character in almost everything he's done. But he's so fucking good at playing it. And his rant about um, <laughs> at the very end. When he brings up Bill Murray, I really liked that part. I thought that was like one of the funniest parts in the what movie. What about Bob? Um, so I thought that was really funny. And then Jason Manzoukas is one of my favorite comedic actors working today. He is the best at just playing chaotic. And he's a, he's a, this is a three-hander. Make no mistake about it. What's really weird about this movie is that it was just advertised on Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler. And I get it because they were the two biggest actors. They're the two biggest names. But Jason Manzoukas is, is the third lead in this movie, and he is the wild card. He is the 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 agent of chaos, as I was talking about before. All these three-handers, needs, they need to have an agent of chaos. And currently, no one is as good at playing just a chaotic, psychopath, degenerate than Jason Manzoukas. He has the ability to scream out the most normal lines— like, he'll just scream out, like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's just hilarious. Or, on the flip side of that, he has the ability to quietly and subtly and happily say, like, some of the most deranged shit, like, ever. Like, There's a lot just, of that in this one. He'll just, he's just, super, he's just super, super calm and chill. And he's like, and I'm not pulling this from the movie, but he's like, yeah, my foot's basically turned black. I haven't been able to feel it for like six months. <laughs> and his ability to do that, those deliveries and play those characters are is so fucking good. He's basically a toned down version of Rafi from the League. And Rafi from the League is one of the greatest comedy characters ever <laughs> created. But he's the best part of this movie. And honestly, if I'm being completely honest, I wanted to see this movie more for him than Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler. And I know that some people might say bullshit or whatever, but... I'm such a big Zooks fan 
that he he used still the best part of the movie, and he's not even he's not at a hundred percent. Yeah, so that's my that's my basic rundown of it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I brief rant. I think I think what we saw in this movie is is there was so much more potential for it to be more, and then it right. just turned into just kind of we've seen this more times than sure. not and and that's that's kind of where I get with Will Farrell is that you know would this have been better had Will Farrell been in the role um that Jason Manzukis is like would it have been better if he was playing sort of the third wheel in the that's movie interesting. instead of and I and I don't think that's I don't think you could have just swapped Jason Manzukis no, into Will no. Farrell's role but if you found like, you know, for going back to the past, like if you found like a Vince Vaughn and put him in Will Ferrell's character's right. role in this movie and made Will Ferrell the Jason Manzukis character, maybe it's better because I think Will Ferrell plays the wild card a whole lot better than he plays like that's a really interesting point. The straight guy turned he wouldn't have done it better than Jason Manzukis. No, but it would have fit. It would have been a better fit for yeah, sure. Absolutely. So. I mean, for me, the movie, there's a couple of memorable things. Like, I saw it last week. Right. Um, and I can tell you. I saw like, it Saturday. So. I, yeah. And yeah. I was Friday. So I can think of maybe like three or four memorable scenes. I still remember plenty of the movie. Sure. But like, I remember the end scene that you're talking about with Councilman. I uh-huh. remember, you know, some of the setups as they the casino progresses and things like uh-huh. that. And uh-huh. um, obviously some of the stuff with, with uh, Will Ferrell being the, uh, the butcher, the butcher. The enforcer for the, the casino. But I mean, again, it's, it's not like it's a, a brand new, you know, topic or anything and it's not a brand new character. And so I think right. you go into it hoping for more, but kind of getting what, what you expect. Right. You, you watch the trailer However much, however excited you are about the movie when you see the trailer is probably about as excited as you'll be about the movie about when you watch it. About the movie it. itself, yeah. Like, there will be nothing that's surprisingly hilarious in the movie, <laughs> and there's nothing that's... <laughs> it's no. not. It's not one of those movies where I feel like they wasted all the jokes in the trailer that you get sometimes in comedies. They just kept the tone. But there, you probably could have guessed half of the jokes that are in there, even though they're For not sure. in the trailer. So For sure. Um, I think uh, one of the biggest things that, and I guess we can. So uh, l- let's let's put the pin in it uh, in terms of no spoilers. It's okay. It's not his worst movie by any means. It certainly feels. I certainly felt like he's sleepwalking through this. It yeah. felt like he's done this before. He's done it better. Um, and the best parts in the movie are Jason Manzoukas and Nick Kroll. If you're a huge opinion. Will Ferrell fan, if you're a completionist, you're not, you're not going to regret seeing the movie. No, but you're also not going to see anything life changing. No, it's not. It's, it's it's not like Daddy's Home turned into like a great surprise. It wouldn't make my. It's not in my top ten. Yeah, it wouldn't. It wouldn't even probably be my top thirteen. Thirteen or fifteen, even. Yeah. So now getting into spoilers a little bit for the last you know, 10 or so minutes. Um, one of my <laughs> – one of the things that, that I felt with this movie where I feel like it failed was just in the, in the plot itself. And comedies often have this problem. Comedies a lot of times are – they're like an SNL sketch. The setup is great and then they don't know how to finish it. And I feel like the that was a big problem with this. Number one, they had an opportunity to do like a social commentary on a lot of different things. Like they could do a social commentary on how school is so expensive or they could have done a social commentary on how government sucks or they could have done a social commentary on how like, oh, watching your daughter grow up and having to send her off, that's a hard thing to do. But they don't really take advantage of doing any of that like they really just kind of they don't like there's there's no message in this movie like i think of neighbors too or even neighbors which mm-hmm. uh the guys who wrote and directed this wrote and directed or wrote neighbors one and two mm-hmm. now i feel like those movies have a lot stronger direction this one was directed by one of the writers and those movies had messages you know especially neighbors too that those movies were funny but they also had a point yeah. And this one, it's just, it just, it kind of just, it is what it is. 
wouldn't it be funny if these people ran a casino out of their house? And then it just kind of ends, and it gives it that nice little wrapped-up bow where the cop is suddenly on their side, and they get all their money back, and and it's like – and then the councilman is suddenly more corrupt. Like, like there's like a scene where he's like, I'm going to steal their money. That's like three-quarters of the way through the movie, and I was like, what? Like, what? like, oh, we just had to do that so we can make a really, really evil bad guy. Well, and it was like the one thing, too, about it was you had, you had okay, here's this corrupt councilman. You first get introduced to him sure. in that, sorry, we don't have enough money. We're going to build this We're pool build a instead. pool, which I didn't think sounded like that terrible of an idea at first. Well, and to me, too, it was like, like they didn't really focus on it at first. It was like, oh. You know, this councilman took the money from a kid's college fund and put it towards a pool. Right. Like, you know, that sort of thing. Right. You could have you could have left it at that. Right. And the movie wouldn't have been a whole lot different moving forward. Like they still could have needed to do a casino in that. Sure. But then you have like this weird sort of storyline of like he's had this affair with his like assistant or whatever uh-huh. role she uh-huh. is. Um, but that never really comes to fruition. A whole lot. Like uh-huh. you have at the end where she goes to her one husband who's been at the casino all the time, right. that kind of thing. Right. Um, but then you have him suddenly come out that like he's been stealing money. So like the real reason she couldn't go to college was because he had been stealing money from the city. Right. But even then. But I- then it was like, where's the pool? It was kind of a confusing muddled. Like, are we just heaping on him stealing the money to like just add on to the sleaze bag and yeah. that he, you know, took away the college fund. He's having this affair and Right. If you're gonna give a if money. you're gonna give a comedy a villain, like the Dean in old school is a great example. Like yeah. that guy's just a dick, one hundred percent. Doesn't like him. He doesn't need like anything bonus. Like no. he just is and so it feels like and then I just didn't like the way it ended. Like there are too many comedies that digs such a deep hole with the premise. Like, this entire town was going to an underground casino. They set a mob boss on fire. Jeremy Renner, by the way. Yeah. Who, you know what? Good for him for showing up and doing a comedy. It's too bad that it's this weak-ass comedy. Yeah. But good for him for doing something funny. You know what I mean? And we, we've talked about this yeah. many times. When a serious actor shows up and does some funny shit, I respect that. I appreciate it a lot more. They cut off a guy's fingers. They do all this shit. And then it just gets wrapped up in a neat little bow where, oh, I'm just going to claim we're just going to commit insurance fraud on one side. And, oh, we just get our money back because the cop is nice and gives us all our illegally you know, gathered money back. And it's just like, oh, everything's perfect. We're so happy. And it's way too convenient for me. Well, And before we get a bunch of comments about us expecting too much, it's it's not that we didn't know going in. That this wasn't this a is a Will Ferrell movie and it's a stupid comedy. I don't expect everything to be resolved, but they opened so many storylines in this movie with just little lines, kind of, like little things, like like the things we talked about with the councilman. Right. Then you had the story of uh, what's his name and his wife. Um, uh, um, which trying one? to win back Raina, his wife. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, Frank. Yeah, Frank Jason Manzukis. Jason, Jason Manzukis right. trying to win back his wife. Right. Um, you've got you know obviously the story of her going to college and her like sneaking out with her friends. Right. And like they kind of hint like is she a bad like does she have a dark side and uh, like it's right. kind of just left out there. They show up at the casino. Just they're gonna kidnap like it's yeah it's kind of weird there. And then you have the whole mob thing like that just ends abruptly like. They set the guy on fire and that's it. Oh, they're yeah. scared of us now. Yeah. And so I guess. I don't know. And you had the butcher, like he's been running around town like beating people to right. to get the money back and right. like things are just gonna go back to normal. So again, we're not expecting this to be some award winning, but at the same time, like I felt like it opened up so many things and just didn't care to resolve any of <laughs> Absolutely. And and you know what? Like we like comedies are smart now. Like comedies have the ability to be intelligent and be yeah. smart and be subversive. Pretty much ev- almost everything that Seth Rogen is putting together and him and his team with Evan Goldberg and stuff is smart stupid comedy. Like you can yeah. look at Sausage Party and say, "Oh, that's really just dumb." But there's so many subtle things in that movie sure. that just you know it's not well, dumb. Even, even if you go back to 
older Will Ferrell movies, like when you like the ones that are towards the top of our list, like right. old school, right? Like Wedding, Cra- you know, Wedding Crashers obviously isn't a Will Ferrell movie, but right? You think of those movies, or even go back to Anchorman, like right? Anchorman has a defined path that it follows uh-huh. through. And there, you're not left with all these questions of like, oh, what happened? With but that? also, Anchorman is told in in a, in a reality that is a little bit more. Sub, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a little bit more satirical. Sure. Like a, a guy gets his arms ripped off by a bear. Sure. There's a fucking reporter fight. Like it's not yeah. a real reality. This is pretty much it's real. It's trying reality. to be real reality, but also doesn't like take into account things that right. you have to do and you're accountable for if it was a real reality. Right. Exactly. Um, so. That being said, you know, I mean, we've been shitting on it a lot, but, you know, there's still a lot of funny parts in the movie. Like I said, Jason Manzoukas is really funny. Um, I think uh, the the two most memorable things to me in the movie are the most violent scenes. Most of the big laughs in this movie either come from something Jason Manzoukas is doing in the background or when he's, like, giving a tour, like when they have, like, Club Ooze Mm -hmm. in the back, which is a great club name, by the way. Um, or the oxygen, pumping oxygen in. Um, I love him. Or when he reacts to uh, the finger getting cut off and he's like, you you go tell your, your friends. Like, he's just yeah. so fucking good at delivering those lines. But the two, my two favorite parts of the movie are super violent. And it's the impromptu MMA fight. Sure. And the the chopping off the finger scene. And the chopping off the finger scene goes into that sort of what we were just talking about. Like, it is a... It is a comedically violent scene in a movie that's proposedly in a real world, you know? And so it doesn't quite fit in the whole film, but as just a scene, Mm. that was pretty funny. But I really liked the fight, and I really liked how they were just taking bets and... And how he gets the mic, Frank gets the microphone, and he's megaphone, and he's doing the announcements and stuff. Um, I really like that. As that was my favorite part of the movie because I thought it 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 tapped into that like s- that white suburbanite rage, sure, where like all these suburbanites secretly f- fucking hate each other. Um, and then when the one guy knocks out the other guy with one punch, and I was like, oh shit! And then the 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 Martha who yeah. keeps telling everyone her name is Martha. Um, and that fight between those two, like, well, and even, even her in the council meeting the next day, yeah. when she's got the glasses and he has her take those down and, and she's beat to shit. Like yeah. they beat the shit out of each other bloody. And it's like, at, at some point I was like, wow, this is really violent, but I still thought it was funny. So, yeah. And I think fr- from there it's, you know, and and this is something that you know I think remains to be seen. But I mean, the real question is 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 where is you know we talked about what's upcoming for Will Ferrell, right? But you know we talk about all the time, sort of where does he go from here, and and what do we want to see him in next? Like you always talk about with Christian Bale, like how you want to see him do a comedy. Like I do. Do we want to see Will Ferrell do something serious, or do we just want him to stop doing some of these like half-hearted, half-effort? Like I don't know that. I would be that interested if Will Ferrell did a dramatic role. Like, I don't know that I can really take him that way. Like, there's some actors that, like, can pull it off. But, like, even when you look at, like, the dramatic stuff that Adam Sandler's done, like, it's not that they were terrible. It's just that... They were a lot of times really good. Yeah. Like, Sandler is an underrated dramatic actor. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I want to see from Will Ferrell. Honestly, the big thing I want to see from Will Ferrell is probably not going to happen. It's to have him be the bright, shining, sporting character. Like, that's what I think he needs to do. Or just keep making movies with John C. Riley, which I think is what he's trying to do. <laughs> I mean, we, we may have to wait for another few years when he starts being... Because he's... You know, he might have to start going back on that decline. But, right. I mean, you've got Zeroville that you... That's coming out. That's a James Franco. Seth that's the James. That's it, well. And as I was talking about, like those guys are really making really subversive, really funny, smart comedies. And it looks like he's playing, going to play a bit part or a it, whether it be a cameo, whether it be a full on supporting role. There's some interest there from me. Yeah, absolutely. Because of the talent that's involved, James Franco, Seth Rogen. Uh, Megan, Megan, Megan Fox can. I can't. No, I can't say that that helps me. Nothing wrong it, with but, that. <laughs> Red blooded straight American male right here. I'm down with that. Dave Danny Franco. McBride. 
all of Craig that, Robinson, all of that group, like that's a funny group of people. And to see Will Ferrell kind of get lumped in there, that's exciting to me. All I know is that I see Scott Hayes is playing Charles Manson, so. which is and, and yeah, someone's yeah. playing Dennis. Well, it's set in the '60s, yeah. so that's why. So it, there, it's set in the '60s. Um, but then Sherlock and Watson, like okay. Sure. (laughs) That's my thing. I think when Will Ferrell's all in on a movie and really dives into the character, because the thing that we've talked about over and over is how he's at his best when he's in these these big characters and doesn't seem like he's just kind of using his name to make, you know, let's make a $20 million budget movie and go make, you know, $40 million, $50 million off of it, you know. Right. Which I feel like half of his movies have been. Um, like the houses did not cost a lot of money to make. No. I can't imagine that movie cost a lot. I can't of money imagine to make. it was like a, more than like a fifteen million dollar. Unless you're talking paychecks, sure. Because then, who knows? But yeah, I mean, I, you know, my biggest thing that I'd like to see for him, like I said, I'd like to see for him to keep doing what he's like, keep doing it. Like the house isn't bad. It's just we've seen it better. We've seen yeah. it before. You know, work with different people, uh, work with different writers. Work, I mean, that's what he's doing with Zeroville. Mm-hmm. Or go back to what works. Work with John C. Riley. Work with Mark Wahlberg. And obviously, he's doing that. He's got Daddy's Home 2 coming out. He's doing this Watson and, and Holmes thing. Holmes and Watson, whatever. So I'm down. Like, I'm not down on Will Ferrell. It's not like I'm not going to see his movies anymore. Like, um, he's still f- fucking funny. He is. Uh, so, yeah. And I think, does that do it for us? That'll do it. I think that does it for this particular episode of The Popcorn Diet. As always, uh, please like, rate, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. Make sure to follow us for all of the updates about what we're doing on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Popcorn Diet. You can also find us at popcorndietpodcast.com. But for the Canadian machine, David Melhorn, my name is Rick Williamson. Go see some good movies, and we'll see you on the next episode.